Thank you for listening today to the Kingdom Business Coaching KBC Keys Podcast. And now your hosts, the co-founders of Kingdom Business Coaching, Patrice Seguet, Scott Landis, and Deborah Schlott. Welcome to the KBC Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Seguet, with Scott Landis and Deborah Schlott. We are continuing our discussion around the growth key. I know that some of you guys are tired of the growth key. Hopefully <laughs> not, because who doesn't want to grow, right? We all want to grow. So Patrice, spend as much time on growth as possible. As uh, a matter of fact, I'm doing a, um, I'm speaking uh, next week, actually, to a group uh, doing a webinar on the theory of growth um, and just kind of helping this organization deal with that aspect and, and so forth. So... So I'm excited about this this whole growth process. But you know, before we get into this week's uh, podcast, you know, Scott, you have some. I, I didn't prep you on this, but you got something happening in your life, in your world, that those thousands of people, followers that we have. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, let's just take a little moment and let's update our guests in terms of kind of what's happening uh, in your world, so that people can understand what's going on in your world. So one of our co-hosts here, something happening new with them. Could you just kind of share up there, I guess? You're talking about yeah. architects? Yeah, I'm talking about okay. architects, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, my wife and I are super excited to have created a curriculum and, you know, part of it is still a work in progress, but we are currently coaching, uh, couples uh, for, for marriage growth and uh, fulfillment through marriage and really, we're on a quest, a vision to really um, make marriage um, very appealing to the masses. So our audience isn't necessarily uh, just Christians, it's everyone, because we are trying to attack a, a, a problem in humanity, which is a lack of fulfillment, uh, especially for marriage. And we want to we um, teach people how to have absolute fulfillment through marriage. I love it. This is a new business you and your wife launched. Yep. And it's exciting because from what you've told me, this is kind of the first time you both have kind of gone at it truly together as a partnership. Yeah. I mean, we've worked together in a partnership, but yeah. this is really working together in a yeah. partnership. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So you guys know the plus and minuses of yeah. couples trying to make it work together. Yeah, we do. That is awesome. You know, um, at a certain point, we're going to need to have you and your wife be guests at the Couple of Business uh podcast so we can talk about that dynamic awesome we'll be excited for you guys thank you congratulations and uh, keep us posted on that uh well then which companies you launched recently (laughs) (laughs) uh uh, kingdom business coaching (laughs) that's right that's right well let's talk about growth um so today we're going to deal with financing growth right last uh podcast we, we dealt with developing a growth strategy you guys reminded me that we didn't deal with certain aspects of the growth strategy. We had to do with really the analysis behind how to really think through the growth strategy. And, and let me share it. I want to hear your thoughts to it before we get into financing growth because you can't finance your growth without a good growth plan, right? I mean, right. you know, uh, it's, it's, it's almost kind of connected. So one of the points that um, we made when we are dealing with um, having a growth strategy is that you, you need, and in, in, in developing your strategy, you need analysis to be on your side, right? So, so first, you got to kind of think about what benchmarks are you following, right? In other words, as you consider your some of your uh, growth objectives and so forth, what benchmark are you comparing it to in terms of uh, analysis, competitive analysis? 
The other piece, you want to look at your historical data, right? Look at some of the historical metrics to kind of determine are your growth goals reasonable when you look at history? So if you've historically done 12% growth, now you're looking at a 40% growth, right? That may be a little bit unreasonable unless there are some, I'm going to say some extraordinary factors that come into play that you can justify that. So you're saying you can't plan out of context. You cannot plan out of context, right? So, so you need to look at historical data, look at benchmarking, uh, but also you need to look at your SWATs, right? Your strength, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats, so that you're able to have a holistic context by which you plan your growth, um, so that you're able then to determine if we have what it takes to be able to really execute this growth. Um, you know, the, the other factor has to do with, you know, the, the, you know, often we think of growth, we think of, you know, top bottom line growth, but sometimes growth can just be um, improving negative performance. Let's, you know, because sometimes negative performance can be depressing, especially when you don't necessarily see your way out of it soon enough. You can say, what's the point? It's, it's uh, attempting to avoid it altogether. That's right. It's, it's kind of head in the sand. But actually, going from a negative $200,000 a year to a negative $100,000 a year, that's a 50% improvement. No, no. That's a, is that 100% or 50%? That, that's a 100%. 100% improvement. So from that vantage point, you've gotten better. It, it ought to be celebrated. Well, not only that, but look at what you did. What what, right. what are the activities? What are the what what led to that hundred percent growth? That's right. Even though it's still in the negative, so that you can apply and use those same um, tactics or um, leverage what you've done growing forward to bring yourself into a positive figure. Well said. So, so you need to. And by the way, when when others are looking at your performance, they're looking at patterns. You know, they're, they're looking at trends. Uh, they're not always so focused on the numbers. I mean, the numbers are important, but the trends are more important than the actual numbers themselves. I will consider a company that is trending in a positive path any day. As an investor. As an investor. Mm -hmm. Then a company that may be doing well, but it's not trending appropriately. Well, and the other aspect is how is it doing against industry norms and That's standards? Right. That's right. That's right. So, so those factors becomes important when it comes to having a growth strategy. Now, let's talk about now financing the growth. Okay, you've got your plan. Now you got to finance it. All right. So, first of all, let me ask you guys this question. Um, you know, one of the things we're teaching biblical entrepreneurship about the whole idea of God's best of financing. Okay, to business financing. So. What is God's best business financing? What is ideal? What What's the ideal approach to financing anything, let alone growth? Uh, basically just uh, bootstrapping, right? Okay, bootstrapping. Another term for that is kind of self-financing, mm -hmm. right? So you want to start with what can you do yourself? So let's talk a bit about self-financing. Because somebody said, well, Patrice, if, if you know, um, is it realistic to, to self-finance growth? So the question becomes, how does a company position itself to be able to self-finance their own growth? What are some key things you may want to consider doing or put in place to be positioned where you can 
easily self-finance. Well, I mean, what comes to mind is uh, we, we had a conversation recently about I'm looking at this new venture that we mentioned, Marriage Architects, and we have some money to put up up front to because uh, we're, we're doing marriage retreats and we need to put a down payment on those locations and whatever. And how to finance that was the question. And what occurred to me as you uh, kind of helped coach me through it was regardless of if I find an investor or uh, self-finance it, I need to do the same activities. That's right. And so I put together a marketing plan that um, put steps in place, like you were talking about progress and momentum, was what an investor would want to see. And those are the same things I need to do anyways to, right. self, uh, to self-finance it. Because um, in that case, what the solution was for us is to sell the pre-sale packages and pre-sell it with a percentage down to secure your spot. So that kind of took care of that. I want to get more into that because that's a good example. But let's back into it. Let me first give our listeners there are three forms of financing if you're going to finance any business. All right. One is self-financing, which is where you finance through operating profit. The second one is debt financing, which is where you finance through uh, raising capital in exchange for interest. The third one is equity financing, where you're exchanging, you, you're selling sh- the shares of the company in exchange for capital, right? That one, you don't have to pay back the money, but you do have to share the profits. That, you do have to pay back the money plus interest, because okay? so there's three types of financing. Let's now back in. We're going to deal with first uh, self-financing. Deb, Scott kind of shared an example <coughs> of, of a situation he's having. What are some of the things I want to get in a bit? I want to get your thoughts here first. What are some things that companies can do in order to position themselves well to self-finance? Well, I think, first of all, we've been talking about planning for this growth. You've got to plan for whatever whatever one of these three you're choosing. Mm. You've got to plan for it and put your, your, your organization in, in position for that. Um, because if you're going to self-finance, you've got to figure out how you have enough money for cash flow, but also to um, finance this new venture, whatever it may be that you're doing. So do we have savings or how do we? How are we going to go about doing that? And how long is that going to take for us to do it before we can? That's right. I think along with equity financing, you've got to find the right partners. You have to find people who are like-minded, who believe in the same sort of basic fundamentals uh, um, business life, faith that you are so that you are not unequally yoked as we talked about in, in um, scripture. So I think there's some things that, uh, and, and if you're going to debt finance, how are you going to repay that? So it's about planning and, and, and thinking about it, not shooting yourself, shooting from the hip. So, so really, if you're going to finance and growth, you cannot finance your growth without planning, private planning, that's what you got to understand to me. That's right. And within your planning process, you got to think about how am I going to finance this growth. But let's deal with Scott, some of the things, what you shared. Uh, so, in self-financing, in your case with Marriage Architect, you know, what one that I shared with you was some strategy that you can employ in the front end so that you can use some, some of the sales revenue to, f- to finance the, the, the event so you're not relying on, on uh, and investors, right? right? Which is cheaper capital. And by the way, momentum is on your side. And by the way you are creating short-term wins. So that even if you later on need investor, you have the track record to be able to demonstrate your ability to do what you say you're going to do, right? It makes it easier 
uh, to find capital. Because capital, I like the way my good friend, um, one of the things that uh, he shared, he says, capital finds the path of least resistance and greater opportunity. Mm. Capital or liquidity, all right, find the, the path of least resistance. Mm. You know, this is Ken Blackwell. I know he got it from somewhere else, but I got it from Ken. Ken. Capital finds the path of least resistance and greatest opportunity. So as an entrepreneur, you got to say, how do I minimize the resistance so that capital, so that liquidity can find me? Think about liquidity as a river. And if you notice what rivers do, they tend to follow the path of what? Less resistance, right? right? The fallow trail that has already been paved. That's capital. You want to create trails so that capital can come your way. And the way that you do it, you remove the resistance. In other words, you minimize the risk, minimize the threats, and by the way, increase the opportunities, right? So first, you try to do that internally by doing pre-sales. Another thing is make sure you have appropriate margins, right? Make sure you have internal discipline of saving. One of the things that we do in Nehemiah and in my own personal life is 10% of everything that comes in goes into saving. Now, I tend to recycle it pretty quickly, right? But it's a good habit to have. I would literally, every day, I look into our account, I move 10% of what came in into savings. That's a personal daily discipline. Even if tomorrow I'm going to move it back to color stuff, I'm, I, I move it. Why? Because I'm trying to get that, because I'm trying to create an internal culture of discipline of building reserves so I can have what capital to what? To finance growth, to have, to have liquidity. Because have you noticed that money comes to you, you don't need it? Mm-hmm. And when you do need it, it does not come. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's, it's weird. Money comes, you know, think of the scripture, Matthew 25, right? And he says he took the, the talent from the one who, uh, who uh, saved his talent, didn't, didn't make a profit, and gave it to the one who had the more talents, right? He took the one from the one and gave it to the one with the five, the ten. And, the, and he says, those who have more will be given to them. And those who do not have, even what that which they have will be taken away. That don't sound very fair, <laughs> right? But guess what? Liquidity follows the path of least resistance and greater opportunity, right? So besides self-financing, you've got equity financing. And then we talked about it, which is you got to make sure you get the right equity partners, Right, you got to make sure you're properly valuing the business so that you're not underselling or you're not overselling. You also got to make sure you don't give up control in the process, because you can be too uh, excited, too anxious about capital that you sell more than fifty percent. That's what losing control, right? Or you can weaken your position through equity uh, financing, whereby you lose control and no longer control the direction of your company. Do you have shared values? Are you equally yoked? Those are questions you got to ask yourself so you don't just chase money, but you actually preserve your value process. Going back to our three keys, what? As you raise capital, you got to keep in mind relationships. <coughs> Am I doing business with the right people? Values. Are they consistent with my values? And by the way, will they reinforce my values? Because if you value relationship and values, you're not going to grow, even though it seems like you are but you're not. The other piece has to do with debt financing. Here's the key. 
no matter how attractive the capital, can you afford it? You know, I was talking to one of the entrepreneurs, one of our clients, incidentally, and they were trying to raise a certain amount of money. And I looked at the analysis and, and I literally went back and I said, you know what? And I went back to them and, and, and other, other active investors. I said, you know, you're about to raise X amount of money. You're about to raise X amount of money in, in exchange for X amount of interest. Why wouldn't you lend to yourselves and keep the interest versus give the interest out there? Because you're going to pay somebody for this. Why not pay you? You're already an investor in this company. You could be earning this interest. So do you have capital somewhere that's earning you less interest than your company is promising you right now? And because of that conversation, they then in turn financed it themselves. Now, they didn't finance all of it, finance part of it, but at least they cannot pay themselves some interest on some of that versus all of it going outside of there. So do not just assume that the capital has to come from other people. You can be your own source of capital as you think about ways to finance your own growth. Could you share like in that example where that where they found that money? Of course. In this case, you had a passive investor who had 20% of the business, who they were looking to invest money in other things that had greater risk. So they had liquidity in that they were willing to make available for other activities. And now like this, I said to them, you know what? This is your, give your highest return at the lowest risk versus having that capital go to something with a larger risk and speculative returns. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was just a different investment. It was just, that they exactly. Okay. And they brought other investors with them. And these examples that you're talking about, Patrice, it strikes me is that these are not reactive. These are not reactive um, uh, knee-jerk actions to a problem right. that has gotten so big. Now I have to do something that I don't want to do. I've been planning. I've looked ahead. I know what our needs are going to be and that I can determine which one of these three ways is the best way for me for we've sure. because we've seen it where people have had to make tough immediate decisions where which weren't the best ones for them which cost them a lot of money and we As should a do fact, that the best time to raise capital is when you don't need it yeah, yeah. period you know because during those times you're, you're more sober-minded you're less reactive mm -hmm. and you're more attractive because you don't smell um, fear. You don't smell <laughs> fear, but you also don't smell desperate. That's right. Capital runs away from people who come across desperate because you're not sending off the message that you can handle money. Investors need to have confidence that you're not desperate, you're not hungry, or if you are, you're healthily hungry. In other words, you have drive, but you're not going to consume them capital. You're not desperate. You're not going to use it for other things that can, you have good temperament, right? You got to be able to demonstrate all of that. Guys, our time is up. I mean, I love to keep talking about this stuff, <laughs> but our time is up. But again, if you like this stuff, we're going to continue next week dealing with uh, the value of growth. I mean, the growth key. But guys, there's a class coming out on this that we're going to have that's going to get more into detail of this. And there's a book coming out that will get even more into this. So just stay tuned with us. 
as you keep learning more information about how to access this stuff. Well, guys, let's do a takeaway real quick. Deb, let's start with you. What takeaway would you like for them to walk away with as they think about financing their growth? That healthy companies need capital and which to grow. So being um, uh, forward-thinking, planning for it, and determining which of these three, three that we've discussed today is the best for them. I love it. As you talked about the parable of the talents, I remembered that really this is God's business mm -hmm. and it's the financing of the of God's business is really his problem. It's, he's the master in the story where the um, the person that's handling the talent and he expects us to do something with it. But at the end of the day, whether we fail or succeed is not what he's measuring us on. And it's about not being fearful and it's about putting the talent to work and so what occurred to me is there's something that happens in the spirit realm when you when you are looking at i need uh some kind of i have a need for some kind of financing and you put what you can do what's in your hands That's what are you right. able to do take action and do something instead of twiddling your thumbs and waiting for an investor to come along. You got to put something to work and then somehow something in the spirit realm, it releases that finance that that's really God's problem for God's business. Amen. I love it, Scott. It's a matter of faith, isn't it? Yes. The just shall live by faith in kingdom business says must operate by faith. Do what you know to do using what you got, trusting that, the, that God will orchestrate the rest. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. And all these things shall be what? Yeah. Added onto you. Living the add to life. We don't chase things. Things pursue us. Particularly when we're doing it from a kingdom perspective. I love it. Guys, again, this stuff is good. If you if you want more information about Kingdom Business Coaching, visit our website, kbckeys.com, kbckeys.com. Uh, of course, you can view, uh, uh, listen to uh, old earlier podcasts to kind of get caught up in this. Um, and you can also listen to this on your on your smartphone or on SoundCloud. And of course, we also want to leave you to prayer. May God give you the grace and favor to build a transformational company that impacts people, planet, profit, and eternity. Next time, we're going to deal with marketing and sales for growth. God bless you. Thanks for listening today. To find out more and to discover some great resources, go to KingdomBizCoaching.com. That's KingdomBiz, B-I-Z, Coaching.com. Contact us. Our email address is info at KingdomBizCoaching.com. And now, may God bless your business today.